Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Maz and you're listening to episode 16 of the Balanced Natural Health podcast, where we talk East, West and all the best in natural health. So in today's episode, we're going to look into biophotons and the fact that we as living beings are emitting light energy at all times. And we're going to look at how that fluctuates with different times of day and year, uh, the potential sources of it and how it interacts with the greater world around us. So not just here on Earth, but also in the cosmos. And this episode has been quite a long time in the making. I was actually preparing to record it back in 2019. But once I started researching this stuff, there was just, it just opened up so many avenues for me. So I'm excited to share it with you guys and let's get into it. So as I've just mentioned, we humans and other living beings, plants and animals, emit light in the form of biophotons. So these are little packets or quanta of light energy and light is one expression on the whole electromagnetic spectrum. So we've got visible light, we've got ultraviolet light, infrared, and then we go off into other types of frequencies from there like microwave or terahertz and so on. So we'll be talking about how our bodies are electromagnetic bodies and light bodies and what the implications are for health and healing. And what I love about all of this recent discussion about biophotons and the modern research into biophotons is that it aligns perfectly with our Chinese medicine understanding of qi, of the energy that governs the structure and function of our body and our state of health, and also aligns with the concept of prana and the koshas in uh, yoga and Ayurvedic thought as well. So the koshas are information or etheric or plasma fields that inform and govern function in the body, much like with the different forms of qi in Chinese medicine. So when we talk about biophotons, one of the names of the brilliant scientist that's done a lot of work in this field that comes up is that of Fritz Popp. So he's a German scientist who was doing a lot of work in the 1970s about biophotons and the qualities that they possess. However, there was much work done in this field earlier by many brilliant Russian and Polish scientists as well. My wonderful parents are both scientists and they were very blessed to attend a talk back in Warsaw in the, I think it was the the 70s or late 60s by Włodzimierz Sedlak, who was one of the pioneers of bioelectricity. So there was a lot of work happening in that part of the world even before that. Um, and one of the first people to talk about biophotons was the Russian biologist Alexander Gurvich, and he called it mitogenetic radiation. He was observing how onions would talk to each other and how onions that were separated by quartz glass, which transmits a much higher um, spectrum of light, um, when the onions were separated by a plate of quartz glass, they could stimulate each other to grow when their growth areas were placed close to each other. So basically there was a communication between organisms that was not based on physical or chemical properties. It was by light alone, which was really fascinating. And he was one of the first 
people to talk about the idea of the morphogenetic field. This has been brought to the forefront recently by the brilliant biologist Rupert Sheldrake. He's got a PhD in biochemistry. I'll come back to him later in the podcast because he's an amazing person to talk about as well. But for now, I just wanted to highlight the fact that there were many brilliant modern pioneers in this area. So let's take a closer look at this light that we are all emitting. Many researchers seem to think that the major source of this ultra-weak light emission that biophotons are seems to come from our DNA and more specifically from the 99% of our DNA, which is a major portion, that is called junk DNA. So junk DNA, unlike the small tiny percentage of our total DNA that codes for proteins, has been called junk DNA because most mainstream researchers can't seem to figure out what it does. So in their hubris have called it junk DNA, but I believe that the body never creates redundant structures or functions. So obviously there must be a reason for it. And in fact, some scientists suggest that the primary function of DNA lies not in its protein synthesis, but in fact, it lies in the reception and transmission of electromagnetic energy, which is pretty amazing to consider because we have this notion that we are determined by our genes and ruled by our genes. But if in fact, the majority of our DNA is communicating and receiving in light, then that just opens up a whole world of possibilities in health and healing as I see it. So as I mentioned earlier, one of the, the biggest researchers in this area was Fritz Popp, and he was a nominee for the Nobel Prize in Physics. And in his work, he discovered that DNA stores photons, which are quanta or packets of light energy, that our DNA is a resonance device. And also in further research that he did, he showed that the the light transmits through channels which seem to match up very closely with those of the acupuncture meridians and pathways. Now this is really exciting for me because in some of our ancient texts dating back to the first century, we talk about the idea that the Yuan Qi, which is the essence or original Qi that we are born with, so it's the Qi that is innate and provides the foundation of life, which to me seems like a modern equivalent of the modern equivalent would be DNA. So in our ancient texts, we talk about how this essential substance is transmitted through the networks of the sun jiao. So the sun jiao or triple burner is a whole collection of networks that link all the spaces of the body. And the modern biomedical equivalent would be the interstitium, which is the the bulk total collection of all of those um, fascial pathways that connect all of the different tissues and spaces in the body and provide a means of communication and modulation through the body. So um, Fritz Pop's work in this shows that perhaps some of that communication within the body and the modulation of all of our vital processes is happening via biophotons and via light. And indeed, this has been corroborated by other scientists as well. 
So the work done by Dr. Herbert Froehlich, who was another Nobel nominee in physics, um, his work shows that there is a symphony of waves and frequencies that are happening in our bodies and that they're responsible for synchronizing all of our bodily processes, everything that's happening at a cellular level and making sure that everything is functioning coherently. And this would fit with the fact that we've observed that biophotons follow a daily rhythm and also a seasonal one. So what researchers have found is that we emit more light between 12 and 5 a.m., so between midnight and 5 a.m., and our emission of biophotons is lower from midday till 7 p.m. And so from a Chinese medicine perspective, these are yin times in the night and yang times. So it's interesting that at the yin time we are throwing off more light while at the yang time perhaps we're holding on to more of that. What we also know is that there's seasonal variations in light emissions. So from what's been measured, emissions are at their lowest every year around the equinox in September. So that's spring for us here in Australia and autumn for those in the northern part of the world. And what they also noticed is that different parts of the body emit light at different rates. So there's greater emission from the back of the hand than the palm of the hand in the latter part of the year. And there's difference between right and left hand sides. So the right hand side emits the most light between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. So at the time when the sun is highest in the sky, this is the most yang time. And the right hand side is associated with yang. And then on the left hand side emits more biophotons between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. So again, that's more the yin time of the day and the left hand side is related to the yin side, not just in Chinese medicine, but in many ancient traditions. So researchers also observed that the biophoton emission would be imbalanced and less coherent when people were suffering, say, an immune challenge like a cold. And if they received an acupuncture treatment, which would regulate the movement of the biophotons through those pathways that were observed, that then the biophoton emission was much more balanced. Another thing that scientists observe is that males pump out more biophotons than females and adults pump out more than kids. One of the things that struck me the most was that the biophoton emissions are coherent and harmonic, like a light symphony when we're healthy, but that they started to become incoherent or chaotic in states of imbalance when there were things like tumors or malignancies. And in fact, what was measured was that the greater the malignancy that was presenting, then the greater the incoherence in the pattern of light emissions. And in fact, different patterns of emission could be diagnostic of certain conditions. So for example, a certain pattern might indicate um, a diagnosis of MS or multiple sclerosis. What was really significant for me was the finding that greater periods of stress would lead to greater emission of light, but also greater periods of homeostatic stress. So when the balance of the body, mind and spirit is being stressed and pushed into new growth would also lead to greater light emission. So more biophotons were measured at times of intense growth and pro proliferation. But what was also notable was that there was an intense release of biophotons at death. 
And this links up to an interesting paper that I came across in the journal Neuroquantology. This was published in 2016. And this paper was looking at the phenomenon of mechanical malfunctions in rooms of people passing away or having near-death experiences. So often it was reported that as people passed, um, TVs would malfunction, clocks would lose time, lights might flicker. So there was all sorts of electromagnetic disturbances that were being posited happening at this time. And it would make sense that if we're throwing off vast amounts of energy when we transition to other realms, that it can impact electromagnetic devices or electronic devices. Which then, to me, begs the question that if we with our bodies can impact electronic devices and electromagnetic fields, then what are the electromagnetic fields in our environment doing to our amazing electromagnetic bodies? Like what are phone signals, TV signals, um, electrical wiring in the walls? How are they potentially affecting our biology and our state of health and balance? And in fact, this has been a huge area of research for me, and I will be sharing more about this aspect in future podcasts, because I think that this is the future of health. It's also the ancient history of health, but it's coming back into remembrance now for us to use it to our benefit. So a little bit more quickly on some of the communication aspects of biophotons and this light that we emanate. There was some other research done by Maiborov, a Russian scientist again, who showed again how there could be communication between individuals using these biophotons. So he found that biophotons which emanated from fish eggs could stimulate the growth on other eggs without necessarily touching them or communicating communicating in any other way. So again, just by being in that electromagnetic field, they were able to stimulate each other's growth, which is what Alexander Gurevich found as well with his onion experiment. There was also a study done in 1970s that showed that cell cultures of various microbes or microorganisms could transmit infections by biophotons alone. So This touches on some other work that I'll be sharing by the amazing Nobel laureate, Professor Luc Montagnier, who did some amazing work about contagion and how disease-like symptoms might transfer across people. And it's not what we have been taught. And it's actually really liberating and exciting because again, it opens up new vistas for health and healing and new understanding about the world. So we've learnt that organisms can communicate with each other to stimulate growth. And continuing in this vein, what researchers also discovered was that human healers or Qigong energy practitioners could actually emit certain frequencies from their hands at will. So this was in the range of 2 to 30 hertz. So this was emitted with intent and further research in Germany was done observing 100 meditators and they were asked with intent to increase their light emission and they were able to do so by up to 400 to 600 percent so they could emit four to six times more light than people who weren't focusing on that. So to me this opens up so many fascinating questions about health and healing and who we are where do we begin and end like do we end at our skin like we perhaps many of us might have been led to think or are we greater than that we know that 
electromagnetic fields from the heart can extend up to six feet away from the body and it can interact with other people and even come into sync with other people's electromagnetic fields of the heart. So that to me suggests that the organism that we think of as oneself is actually much more than just the material. So how does this knowledge change our self-concept and how does it maybe think change how we think about healing and health and how we live our lives. So all of this talk about how this very weak biophoton emission, how that relates to health makes sense to me because we already know how visible light affects us and things like infrared light. So we already use infrared therapeutic devices to ease pain and promote healing. I have an infrared heat lamp in my clinic and the moxibustion that we use in Chinese medicine has been measured to emit infrared radiation that permeates, uh, permeates deep into the skin. We also know that things like sunlight are really important for vitamin D, but also for structuring water, for making the water in our bodies coherent and essentially vibrate at the most beneficial frequency. We know that blue light and certain emissions of light uh, frequencies and colors from our screens can impact our sleep. They can increase um, the release of certain hormones. We know about people being affected by the absence of sunlight in seasonal affective disorder. So how natural light has a beneficial effect on regulating our moods. We also know that we sleep better more deeply in a darker room and we know that the skin has photoreceptors or light receptors which is why simply putting a mask on in your room at night if it's too bright for deep sleep won't necessarily yield the same results as darkening your room completely because it's not just the light that we absorb through our eyes it's also the light information that we receive through the rest of our body and indeed our light field our electromagnetic field around us and this next bit of research i find particularly exciting because it's not just the electromagnetic environment here on earth that affects us but scientists have also found that we can be affected by light coming from beyond our earth which is pretty wild isn't it so there's some fascinating recent research which has measured heart rate variability and changes in the nervous system based on solar activity so that means that light and energy from the sun is having a direct effect on how our hearts and our nervous systems operate which is pretty mind-blowing isn't it so what researchers found was that an increase in solar activity or solar wind would result in an increase in heart rate which is often associated with an increase in the stress response so pretty fascinating that light from outside our little earth bubble can have such a direct impact on us. And another thing that they found is that it wasn't just the sun's rays that were affecting us, but also cosmic rays in general would have an effect. And unlike the sun's rays, which could cause an increase in heart rate and possible increase in stress, what they found was that cosmic rays seem to have a beneficial effect. So they, they found that there seemed to be an inverse correlation with certain inflammatory markers. So CRP, which is C-reactive protein, when there was higher prevalence of cosmic rays. So 
Really fascinating. And isn't it amazing to consider that as cosmic rays go up, certain inflammatory markers go down. I think it just goes to show that we're so much more interconnected and interwoven into our environment and not just the earth environment, but the galactic environment. And indeed, there was another amazing scientist called Alexander Chizhevsky, who was a biophysicist, and he was interested in heliobiology and cosmobiology. So that is sun biology and cosmobiology, respectively respectively, looking at how the sun and the cosmos affects our health and how we function. And he mapped a whole lot of data from 500 BC up until the time that he was working, which was the early 1900s. So he looked at all that historical data and mapped sunspot activity to historical events. And what he found was that there was a repeating cycle of greater sunspot activity that correlated with a greater incidence of major historical events. So what he found was that when solar activity was at its maximum, we would see things like great bursts of creativity, new discoveries, the destruction of the old and the leading into the new. And there might be revolutions or changing of regime, new understandings about the world, but always they correlated with this greater period of solar illumination. So at times like that, human creativity was heightened. So for me, it's just amazing that this modern data correlates with what the ancients always knew. They track the skies, they live their lives in accordance with the sky clock and astrological rhythms. They harvested their crops and looked after their health in accordance with that. And um, I thought I might finish up with some ancient Chinese writings on this topic. So this is dating back to the 7th century and the Chinese were very clear in identifying the relationships between certain cosmic events and earthly effects. So in this case, they were noting that comets, which they called vile stars because of their effects, that when comets appeared in the south, that they wipe out the old, they establish the new, fish grow sick, crops fail, people die, men go to war, and people hate life. So this is something really interesting and something that I'll go into more detail in in future episodes. I will also, in the next episode, I think, talk about the Schumann resonance and how the Earth's particular magnetic frequency has a very important impact on our health and in fact our brain waves there's a direct correlation there so just before I finish up I want to come circle back to Rupert Sheldrake and his amazing work so he like Gurvich and many others is one of the researchers and scientists that talk about this idea of the morphogenetic field and this is basically the idea that there is a energetic or information field that exists around us that is subtle and etheric possibly like a plasma body that encodes and governs how our material bodies work and in fact these morphogenetic fields can actually extend beyond just the individual and can govern whole populations of certain types of individuals so a kind of collective consciousness or awareness so there's some amazing stuff to delve into there if you'd like to know more about his work he did a brilliant uh, TED talk this is Rupert Sheldrake um, in true 
Facebook burning style that was taken down but I think that just shows that he's onto something really amazing so I think it got put back up not on their official site but you can find his work if you'd like to learn a little bit more about it it's really great to be back and sharing this stuff with you guys and I look forward to seeing you in future episodes 